0: So today's scripture reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 to 12 concerning spiritual gifts. Now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. This is the Word of God.
1: So I don't know if you had enough time this week to uh, look at that picture of Jesus again and, and see Jesus. I still can't see Jesus in this picture. This picture supposedly was taken by a Chinese photographer who was uh, uh, distraught and looking to, um, because of the Japanese invasion, supposedly. And he was distraught and he was praying and saying, Jesus, I I need uh, to see you. And so he felt this sense from God to take a picture. And so this is actually a photograph. It's not something that was man-made in the sense that um, you know, it was created to be an optical illusion, but rather a picture um, that kind of became famous because some people can see Jesus in it. So because of that, this, this picture became famous, and then it became uh, a thing where it, the, in the Korean church, what they would do is they would make a plaque out of it with the Bible verse, right, and have it for people to buy, right? And they would have it in their stores and, and in different people's homes, and so, like I said last week, um, I would go to a dry cleaner, and I'd be like, oh, hey, hey, that's supposed to be a picture of Jesus. And then they're like, yeah, can you see Jesus? And I'd be like, no, I can't see Jesus. <laughs> and, and they'd be like, well, you know, if you pray hard enough, you could see Jesus. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, no, I can't see Jesus but, and, and it's almost as a test. It, was, it became a test in, the, in some parts of the Korean community that, that if you saw Jesus, then you were a Christian, or maybe you were more spiritual. But if you couldn't see Jesus, maybe uh, you needed to go back and look at your faith. So if you could picture that one person who was spiritual, who would it be? When I was growing up, the first person was Billy Graham. I remember he was the man, right, who was known as the spiritual guy. And I still remember going to uh, what was called Skydome back then, Rogers Center now, where we, it was packed. I remember I was at the very back bleachers. And I heard Billy Graham speak, and it was, it was, I just still remember that being an amazing time. I read his biography and thought, like, he was a great person. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when I also think of someone spiritual, it's someone who either prays a lot. You know, someone who is wearing a robe, perhaps. Or speaks in a very slowly way with, with, with a grandma voice, you know, who is very patient and kind, right? Like Jean, yeah. <laughs> sure, I'm glad some people think Jean is very spiritual in that way, right? And, and in the church of Corinth, there were those who were going around calling themselves the spirituals. The people there felt that they had made it, that they had arrived, that the blessings of the kingdom of God had arrived completely at their church, and that they were personally involved in making this happen. And one of the key signs of being the spirituals was through speaking in tongues. If you could speak in tongues, then you've arrived. You're part of the inner group, the, the cool group, the top of the ladder. It was what was desired, what gave you status. It was the thing that made you spiritual at the church. And the people of Corinth were used to uh, pagan and cultic practices where chanting was part of their worship. And in, in the, you know they start chanting, and, and in that time of ecstasy, they would say a lot of words that were gibberish. And, and it was part of that, their worship. So it was very easy for them to believe that now as they were the people of God through whom the Holy Spirit has brought about this kingdom, that now they've been gifted with this speaking of tongues, and which to them were they thought were the language of angels, and it, and it proved that they were spiritual. So here we see Paul addressing these spirituals of Corinth on what it means to be spiritual and what the gifts of the Spirit actually means. And he starts off by talking about why, what they used to be like, and this is why Paul brings up these mute idols. Remember you used to worship these pagan idols where they were mute? Though you said a lot of words to these gods, they were actually mute. They didn't have anything to say. But the real God who does speak, who is from Jesus and the Holy Spirit, unlike these mute idols, Paul says, well, when you speak out of the words of, when you're inspired and speak out of the words of the Holy Spirit, you will actually say things like, Jesus is Lord. You'll never say anything like, Jesus is cursed, or uttering a bunch of words doesn't mean anything. What it would actually lead to is you saying, Jesus is Lord, which was the basic phrase you needed to say in order to get baptized. It was part of, the creed, as it were. And what Paul is saying here is that the spirituals are not spiritual because they could speak in tongues, but by rather uttering and believing in the reality that Jesus is Lord, which can only happen because those words come from the Holy Spirit. In the Korean church I grew up, one spiritual thing that people did was that they would go to prayer centers you know, you go to prayer centers in these woods, and you would go and fast. You wouldn't eat, and you would pray all night. And it make, made you spiritual, and it feels spiritual, right? Like if you heard that Gene was going off into a quiet, <sighs> into a quiet wood in, in a hut, and he was praying and fasting and speaking in a very calm, slow voice, right? You'd be like, wow, that's why Gene is so spiritual, so anyway, so the elders and the deacons of the church would go and pray and would be very fervent. And they, where I would hear them screaming for God to do something. I don't know what they were screaming about, but they were screaming to God saying, God, please answer my prayers. It sounded very serious. And I'm not saying this is bad. I mean, I think all of us should take time away to pray with God. And, you know, there are prayer centers all over the place. There's one right at Bayview and, um, no, not Bayview, Willowdale and Cummer called St. John's, And that's a great place to go. If you ever want to go and pray and spend some time in quiet, I encourage you to do so. However, for many of these elders and myself included, we felt that we were more spiritual because we went and prayed and screamed our heads off to God. In a similar way, what Paul is saying here to those that think they were spiritual is that those speaking in tongues in itself isn't bad or unspiritual. Paul, in fact, says he could speak in tongues. There is no gift from the Holy Spirit that is better than another and that we are not to desire one gift over another just so that we can look or feel more spiritual. Being being more spiritual isn't the point of being a Christian. We become more spiritual as we seek to live our lives in communion with Jesus. It's like having a good reputation. I have this conversation with Jeremy all the time about having a good reputation. The way to have good reputation isn't to focus on having a good reputation. Right? The way to have a good reputation is to be who God called you to be and live into that. The more you focus on having a good reputation, the more people can see that you're trying to have a good reputation, and therefore you don't have a good reputation. In the same way, Paul is wanting his hearers to understand that the gifts from the Spirit are not the focus of what it means to be spiritual, but rather as we seek and live our lives for Jesus, we can use our gifts in a spiritual way. 1 Corinthians 12.4, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them in, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Notice how many times the word different and the same are mentioned different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. Yet they are all from the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God at work. Different, but the same. And notice here that Paul uses three different names to refer to God. Pneuma in Greek meaning Spirit, Kyrios meaning Lord, and Theos meaning God. God, Paul emphasizes and refers to the Trinity to say that though there are differences... Though Those differences are not a way to compete or compare with one another, but rather they are of the same God. Just as there is diversity and unity in the Trinity of God, we who are made in the image of God are given different gifts. We are not playing against each other as if if we're playing tennis, a a uh, single-person sport, but rather we are on on the same team, like on a volleyball team. We do not need to fight over who's better or who's worse, but rather that each member of the team are part of the same team. When one wins, the other also wins. When the other loses, we all lose. We are different, but united. And look at what Paul says in verse 7 and what the purpose of these gifts are for. The main purpose of spiritual gifts isn't so that you can find out more about who you are. The main purpose of your spiritual gifts isn't about finding and fulfilling your unique purpose in life. The main purpose of your spiritual gifts is given for the common good. The word he uses for gifts is the word charisma, which means gift. This word comes from the word charis, from which we get the word grace. The gifts of the spirit is exactly that. It's a gift. It's the gracious gift of God given and not earned or claimed. If the manifestation of the Spirit living in you, that is when you are in communion with God, the Holy Spirit will empower individuals and groups for the common good. The common good, that is for the body of Christ, that is for others. It's not about you, it's about others. So you're spiritual not because you have gifts. You are spiritual by using your gifts for the common good. You are not spiritual just because you have gifts. You are spiritual by using your gifts for the common good. And our society loves people with gifts, right? And those who are charismatic. We know, you know, the word Paul uses for God's gifts. God-given gift is the word where we get the word charisma, or how we call people charismatic. We're drawn to them. We pay a lot of money for those who are exceptionally gifted. We lift them up on pedestals and worship them. We want to be around them, hear what they have to say, maybe follow them on on Twitter or listen to their podcasts and, and praise their greatness. This isn't only true in our culture, but in the church as well. People are drawn to big names, whether it's Billy Graham or that big church with great programs or to a particular worship band because of their giftedness. And, you know, people make good money off it too. Yet when I was reading an article about this, and we can shake our heads at these pastors with with fancy shoes. I think it's like like some kind of Instagram hashtag, right? Pastors with fancy shoes or something like that. And not to say pastors can't wear fancy or stylish shoes. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But at the same time, and, and we can't blame... In, in the article, what it was saying is that you can't just blame the pastors for being famous. It's because they're in a system that encourages this kind of charisma and giftedness. The, the people also want this. And the people are encouraging pastors and other Christian celebrities to be who they are. So it's not just the problem of the pastor, but rather also the rest of the body. It's as if one part part of the body suffers, the other suffers with it. But, come on, be real. Who doesn't like cool gifts, right? The ability to heal people, to be so charismatic that, that I could have Thousands or thousands, millions of followers on YouTube and Instagram. Who wouldn't want that? These days, that's how you make money too, right? You could be a YouTube star, right? I wish I could speak in like eloquence and with words of angels. And then, you know, all these people hearted me on Facebook or whatever, you know, like smash that like button. I mean, who wouldn't want to feel like they are God's gift the world and this is the temptation and the lure of using the gifts that we've been given by god for our own purposes or even desiring one gift over another so that it benefits us the purpose of our spiritual gifts is to use them for others it is for the purpose of building up the other the body of christ it isn't just for us Wayne Grudem, a systematic theologian, says this about spiritual gifts. He says, spiritual gifts are any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. I would broaden that to include the church and the world, but that's that's what it is. Spiritual gifts are any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church and the world. And as some of you know, we're going through this book study called Shape in our life groups. And in the book, Eric Rees separates abilities from spiritual gifts. There are two chapters, but I don't agree with him in that. There are examples of spiritual gifts that Paul refers to that are both natural, that seem like just natural gifts that people have. And then there are other gifts that seem supernatural. So there's a mixture of both natural and supernatural abilities But what makes them spiritual is whether or not it's in our relationship with Christ. Do we use our gifts and abilities, again, to serve others versus to serve ourselves? I would side with Grudem that any ability or talent that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used for the purposes for the common good is what makes it spiritual. It moves the focus away from the gift itself to that of its purpose. Eric Rees also makes it sound like there's, there are only like a limited number of spiritual gifts. The lists that we see are not, uh, not exhaustive. They're not supposed to cover every single type. But Paul refers to very specific ones because of the context it was in. You know, he was addressing this desire for, spiritual, uh, for speaking in tongues. And so he was addressing those. And one word that I really like from Gruden's definition is the word empowerment. According to Webster's Dictionary, empowerment means to grant the power, right, or authority to perform various acts or duties. I remember I was at a, a church retreat, and one of the youth pastors asked me to do the message for our children. And I was like, I've never done a, a message before. I don't know what I'm doing. And so, then, But my youth pastor was like, well, you know, I'll teach you. This was what I was going to say. And he had this, like... Um, object lesson with like, um, what do you call it? With a towel that turned into Jesus somehow. I think it was like a chicken, but then became Jesus. And while I was doing that, I was supposed to tell the story of Jesus. Anyway, so he's like, okay, you know, it's okay. I'll teach you and then you could do it. And, and I remember doing that. And he, so, but in order for me to do that, he had to kind of get out of the way. And he had to give me the opportunity to do so. He empowered me to give the talk. And isn't that what Jesus did when he came and not claimed equality with God? The Holy Spirit, being God, can do everything on his own, but the Spirit wants to empower us to build up the church. He could do it on his own, but he wants to include us in his purposes. This means that discovering my spiritual gifts isn't so that I can benefit off it, even though through it we find fulfillment. But rather, we are empowered for the work of God in the church and in our world. So for Paul, spiritual gifts are given and distributed by the Holy Spirit for the purposes uh, of the common good. Not everyone has the same gift. Not, Not everyone has to be the same to be spiritual. But rather, the Holy Spirit determines what kind of gifts are needed for the work that needs to be done. Paul then uses the example of the body to talk about how though we are different, yet we make up the one body. Listen to what he says. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all is many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. So we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, where we were all given the one spirit to drink. None of us can be spiritual on our own. None of us can make the church because not one individual is the church. All of us playing different roles and functions, whether for a lifetime or for a season, make up the body of Christ. More recently, I've been learning more about volleyball because I've been playing uh, a little bit more. And I've learned about the different positions that each person plays. We all bump, we all volley, we all hit the ball, yet we have our positions and what we call lanes. You have to stay in your lane. And whenever you get out of your lane, then that causes issues for the team. But it's fine, you know, if, if the ball falls within your lane, you're the person that's supposed to get it. For some reason, if you can't get to it, the person next to you can come into your lane to support you and to help you, and vice versa. But it's a team sport. There's no one that's actually at fault for anything, yet you need to play together. It's, it's, it's being in sync with one another. And not all of us have the same gifts. Some of us are taller. Some of us are shorter. Some of us are better hitters. Some of us are better volleyers. And so you play into your strengths. But even when, if you're weak at something and you make a mistake, the other person is there to help or fix you your mistakes during this series we're examining how god has created us and as part of that we're looking at both spiritual gifts and abilities together this week because i think they are a lot more intertwined than they are separate this is an important aspect of how we are formed and shaped by god so we so we want to encourage you to continue to discover your gifts and to use them to serve others and one thing that I did really like from the book we're using is when Eric Reese writes that one of the best ways of discovering your gifts, it isn't through taking a bunch of assessments online. Sure, they can help get a sense of what your gifts may be, but the best way to discover your gifts is through the community of faith. I grew up understanding that you needed to figure out your gifts and then start serving, but if the purpose of these gifts is to build up one another, then when we enter into ministries or, or opportunities with the heart of building up others, it is up to the Spirit to empower you, to empower us to do what is needed. This doesn't mean that every opportunity of service is for you. Maybe it isn't for you, nor your involvement, your involvement would make that ministry grow. But at the same time, it is through serving and and the discernment of the community that you can know where the areas you should be serving in. I remember when I was in high school, I was at another retreat. One of my friends after a session at camp came up to me and said, Hey, you know, I think I really see you becoming a pastor. And I was like, "Eh, sure, whatever. You know, I wasn't really thinking about being a pastor then. And it's just like, okay, whatever, dude. Right? Right? Uh, And he's like, I see that gifting in you. And I had completely forgotten about that story until like more recently. I'm like, oh, yeah. So there are two examples where the community of God has said to me, hey, I see that gifting in you. And in many ways, they were calling out my gift. Maybe I didn't feel like I was the typical pastor that I, I thought I could be. You know, what you see as the charismatic pastor. But someone saw that gift in me and multiple people in the community saw that gift in me, and they called that gift out, and I started paying attention. And so to me, I think that is the best way for us to figure out what our gifts are. What, is, what might God be calling you to? Well, you need to be in community. You need others to, to show you what your gifts may be. It's a way of testing whether or not, you're called to a certain kind of ministry or not. And even if you uh, hear what we might consider, I don't know, a negative feedback, maybe that is also a good thing for you to hear, right? To be able to hear that maybe this isn't an an area you should serve in. It doesn't mean you're a worse person or less spiritual or less gifted, but it's it's taking that feedback and hearing uh, what best ways you could serve others. I mean, I could go around saying I'm the most humble person in the world, <laughs> right? But it's so much different when someone else tells me I'm the most humble person in the world. So it's either, either I'm in denial or the other person is wrong, right? So the question is, do you want to be God's gift to the world or do you want to be God's gift to the world? How do we seek to build up others for the common good? How can we use the gifts and abilities that God has given us with others in mind? If you think you already know your gifts, how can you be open to something new that God may be calling you to? Or how can you be more open to being empowered by the Holy Spirit to use your gifts in a way that you didn't imagine you could? With the way you serve change, if you cared more about what's best for the other Than what is best for you? If you're still unsure about your gifts, how can you be intentional about discovering your gifts by being open to the different opportunities that are available to you? What might you try that may feel beyond your abilities and yet aligns with your giftings and passions and and what you feel God is calling you to? How could such opportunities be a way for you to depend on the power Of the Holy Spirit instead of yourself. So, Paul encourages his people with the same thoughts. He says, Let me show you the best way at looking at spiritual gifts. Now, this passage is a famous passage that is used at a wedding ceremony. But the context within which it was written is about using our spiritual gifts and abilities to build one another up and not in a love. Uh, in a marriage kind of context was Paul's response to those that thought they were more spiritual if I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but do not have love I am nothing If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Then he goes, you know, this is a famous passage. passage, Love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never uh, ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end, but love never ends. So love is patient and kind. This is within the context of the church and not within a marriage. Obviously, within a marriage is important, but this was written with the church in mind. And it doesn't matter how amazing of a speaker you are. It doesn't matter how many people you can heal. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have or how many f- poor people you can feed. If you can't do it without love, if you cannot serve others without love, then it's just noise. It's just mumble jumble. I was supposed to have given my talk last week about spiritual gifts um, and something else happened last Sunday, which in retrospect to me was a better message than the talk I had prepared. It was in many ways the embodiment of what it means to be the people of God. And for those of you that wasn't here or that may have missed it, had a medical situation and we had to you know, cancel service, but I don't think we actually canceled worship. It was worship in a very different way. And it was amazing to see and it was an example of the community of God coming together, using the different gifts and abilities to, to serve. It was a moment of intimacy and care. It was a way for us to be united. I was so proud of how everybody handled the situation last week. Like, and I'm so thankful I noticed Ben. Ben was the first one, I think, noticing that there was something wrong with Cole. And then I noticed, you know, uh, Peggy comforting I saw Kate going and helping and being, on, uh, being the first person to kind of really care for him. I saw Mike on the phone calling 911, making sure our online folks knew what was going on. I heard others were making sure the paramedics were, were able to come in. I saw Kevin running through that door, which was like the big relief, right? Like, oh, the doctor's here, right? Um, but it was a moment of community, of being united in love. And before I end our time together, though, I wanted to add another passage to our reading to our talk today because I could not have us talk about us. Uh, I, could, I could not have us talking about spiritual gifts and abilities without touching on our weaknesses and brokenness. Listen to what Paul says about weaknesses, and this is in the same. Letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many, not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Jesus Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. You see, we're not just made up of our gifts and our abilities, but also of our lack of gifts and our inabilities. There is a gift, though, to, uh, to vulnerability and need that is, to me, very important. In his weakness needed others to support him. I, in my own weaknesses and brokenness, need others to help me along. It's not just about my gifts and what I think I'm good at. It is also delving into our weaknesses and our brokenness and inviting others into it. Well, we invite Christ into that, but then we open ourselves to others, and that alone is a gift. It is an opportunity for others to speak into and use their strengths to help you, to support you. What some may call weakness was, in fact, an opportunity for love, And in fact, we as Christians believe that this is part of the gospel. What was despised and ashamed, what the cross meant as foolishness to the world has become the way of salvation. It is the sick that needs the doctor. It is the lost that need a savior. It is when we are honest about our need for God and our need for one another that we can become who God made us to be. So let us not just call out our gifts and abilities, but let us be willing to share needs and vulnerabilities with one another. May we have the courage to be vulnerable so that through our weaknesses that God's grace and love may may abound. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you our God, who calls us into community, and we thank you that that you're not someone who's just looking for those who are gifted and talented, but yet, but you call us even in our brokenness, and our weaknesses, and the things that we are not good at and that you encourage us to um, share our weaknesses with one another so that we could lift each other up. And we, we thank you, Jesus, that you've shown us that it is through weakness, through vulnerability, through death that there is life everlasting. Yet we want to celebrate gifts. We want to celebrate when others are able to use their gifts to serve others. So we pray for every one of us here that you would show us how to look beyond ourselves and, and to look to others, to see how we can be your hands and feet to those who may need um, your love. And may we also be open to being vulnerable to others, that they, that, that may be a gift, an opportunity to, for others to show love to us. So thank you, Jesus, again. Um, for this community. And we lift this up to you in Jesus' name, amen.